step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake. I'm your host, Jessica Jackley. And I'm your other host, Holiday Reinhorn. And today we're talking about motherhood. Obviously a topic that we know a thing or two about. Yes, that's correct. I almost have an 18-year-old. Like, I'm about 30 days away from that. That's unbelievable. I'm only 10 years in, uh, but I have four little ones, so the math works out. Uh, we both have a lot to out. say on this topic as women and as mothers. Um, what, what's so, going on? Obviously. What do you mean what's going on? We're, it's a podcast about motherhood. Excuse me. Excuse me. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Are these no, no, guys no. We serious? got this. <laughs> we have a few things to say about motherhood. Excuse me. Oh, Just as nice. I, please let the men this handle podcast. this. No, uh, okay. Oh my god. And, oh, I'm being kicked out of we, the worst. motherhood podcast. Maybe listen and learn. Yeah. Okay. Maybe listen I think, when we're I done. I think there's some the things edit. that you could learn from us. Okay. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be done so, in about an hour. Maybe a sandwich. A, Would that be out. 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 Hey. Don't let the don't let the door hit you Abuse. on the way out of the <laughs> podcast room. Unbelievable! Hey, hey, I can you can you believe this? I mean, who do these I mean, ladies think they are? Who do they think they are? Jeez, we're talking about oh, motherhood, unreal. and Rain and I, as fathers, have uh, a lot to say on this. Topic. A lot to say. Oh, oh, men can't talk about it. Let me tell you, ladies, a little bit about motherhood. I find it very sexist to think that yeah. a man yeah. cannot explain to a woman what motherhood means. I find that to be incredibly yeah. offensive. It's so limiting. It's so limiting. It's a gender crime, really. <laughs> By the way, in my household, I mean, not for nothing, but, you know, I do all the cooking and the cleaning and the laundry and the shopping and and all that stuff. And Jessica just sits on the couch and scratches her crotchal area. Is crotchal a word? Yes. Ow! Stop word. throwing yeah. things at me! People can see this. In my household, we hire people to do all of that work. So <laughs> neither of us do any of the traditional mother work. But in all seriousness, certainly we are not qualified to talk about motherhood. So we thought we would bring on someone who is qualified to speak about motherhood. The author, comedian, stand-up comic, host, TV writer, award-winning Jessie Klein is going to be coming. a lot of things, Jessie Klein. A lot of things. She has regularly appeared on The Showbiz Show with David Spade, VH1's Best Week Ever. I mean, the, the, the bio here is incredible. CNN commentary on the debates. She was a, a writer on Saturday Night Live. She was a consulting producer on Transparent. 
and showrunner and executive producer of the new Showtime comedy series. I love that for you about a group of people working at a home shopping network. I love that. This is her second book. Uh, her first book was a bestseller called You'll Grow Out of It. And um, she's been a consulting producer on the animated sitcom Big Mouth since 2017. And she voices the main character of Jesse. Let's bring this mother expert, this mother expert, Jesse Klein, to the show. Jesse. Hi. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. No, we are excited We're to have you. We're thrilled to have you. We uh, have greatly been enjoying savoring. So good. So funny. Your delicious collection of oh essays oh my God. on midlife and motherhood. Thank you so much. And who better to be talking to you about motherhood? Two middle-aged men. That's, you know what? I let me get rid of any sheepishness you may be feeling and say um it makes me so happy to talk to men about the book and um assuming you're not lying about enjoying it or having read it. Listen, here's how we think about it. If we can pass laws to control your body, then certainly we can have a conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, let's just cover all our bases. <laughs> You know, here on Metaphysical Milkshake, we try and dig deep. We try and get a little bit weird. We want to explore the topic of motherhood in perhaps a different way, maybe a profound way. And we would love to, Reza and I were talking before the interview, like we would actually like to learn a little bit about motherhood. What We want to, we want to drink in. What haven't we thought about? I have one child. Reza has four young children right now, but we really want to put ourselves in the in the shoes in the in the in the stomach of motherhood and listen we we're totally willing to admit that there might be some things about motherhood that we don't know about i think we're i mean i'm open to that idea Reza, i mean if you have four kids i feel like suddenly the tables have really turned <laughs> because you could probably be schooling me i mean i've just got the one and it's definitely going to be staying that way so listen there's a lot of questions going on right now all over the youtubes and and media about like what is a woman who can be a mother this is a big you know cultural and political debate and we're not going to go there no. we this is not no, thank you this is not that conversation okay it we're we're stepping out <laughs> of that i mean if you have things to say we'd love to hear but we're going to be in a lane weird. we're staying in a lane we're staying in a lane <laughs> yeah. but and 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 we were talking about this first question um earlier on like forgive us if this is a sexist question maybe this is a sexist question mm -hmm. Maybe it's sexist to think that this is a sexist question. I'll be the judge of this. Okay. Okay. Becoming a mother, how do you understand and view motherhood as a fundamental part of a woman's identity? Ooh. What is it? I, you were like, let's go deep, deep, deep. We're not even going to ramp in. We're going to go <laughs> 60 billion. Yep. You thought right? we were going to be like, what made you want to write a book? <laughs> Where'd you go to college? Yeah, what'd you get? <laughs> We're going right straight to the center of the vagina on this question. I, I feel like there's a lot of overlap in my observations around sort of how certain kind of femininity and womanhood that our society and culture um, 
prizes and praises and um, demands really overlaps with kind of the view of motherhood in our culture, which is like, you're supposed to kind of just shut up and do it and be as kind of quiet as possible about it and make it as pretty as possible so that no one else is uncomfortable. And I think for mothers and women who aren't mothers, I think like trying to operate within those um, prescribed little boxes is emotionally untenable. That's a lot of where the book came from. And just, I think a lot of my experience, especially in the really early years, my son is seven now. Um, but it just felt like, oh my God, I'm having such an unruly emotional response to all of this. It feels so hard and so messy. And I'm not seeing sort of the room for that reflected back and like any any popular culture around motherhood in the same way that when I was like a teenage girl, I didn't feel like I really was seeing reflections of like what I was actually going through in, in anything, you know, I feel like I grew up in a visual culture that's, you know, it's like just be very thin and be very pretty and ideally white and just, and that really gets into your head. And I think like, I just always go back to an image. I realize I'm really rambling, but this feels like a safe space. Totally. Plus, we have an edit button, so it's fine. You're it's like, not. We're gonna we're gonna cut out all. <laughs> I think of always like diaper ads, like bait those little diaper mm-hmm. like diaper ads where you see a mother just like holding her infant, and it's like the most Vaseline lens, and everyone's smiling, and she looks great, and the baby looks great, and and it's like everyone's just in some kind of little gauzy heaven. No one's covered in shit. No, covered in shit, but I I mean, the covered in shit thing I kind of talk about in the book too a little bit, I think, if I remember. Uh, I guess I'm talking about it now if I didn't. But like the covered in shit thing, I will say, is the one like trope that you sometimes see in like comedies that are quote unquote made for moms. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, she's covered in poop. And like, that's the punchline of the thing. But it's like, that's. I mean, you're both parents, so I'm assuming you know. Like, that's kind of, that's not pleasant, but it also doesn't really matter. No. Like, the real the real mess is so much darker than that. Yeah. You know, the mess of, like, what's going on inside of you, what's happening to your identity, the anger and frustration and rage you might be feeling. Like, I don't really care about the poop on the clothes. I mean, you know, you do. But anyways, that's a very long answer, but you sure set yourself up for it with a deep, 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 deep question. <laughs> you literally said, like, being a woman is difficult, dark, and messy, and growing up one. And being a mother is even more difficult, dark, and messy. And culturally, you're not really supported for that part of the story. But I'm interested I'm interested in that, uh, that I think the kind of the dark side of 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 womanhood and motherhood which has been for decades so you know so suppressed you know I, we don't want to hear about that you know mm-hmm. they would literally hysterectomies was like you're hysterical and we're going to cut the uterus out of you you know and pull a francis farmer on you yeah i can't even imagine how challenging that must be yeah i mean i think you know a lot of the feedback that i've gotten from the book which has been very very satisfying to have heard from so many women who've written to me. And I don't mean to be tooting my own horn about this. I'm really saying this in a way because it's been quite touching is a lot of women have reached out 
to say, thank you for writing this. Like I, I finally feel seen, like, especially mothers who have very young children, just to, to hear that, like that, what you're going through counts as a story and that there's gravitas to it and that it is a hero's journey for people to go through this. And it matters as much as any sort of more cliche, quote unquote, bigger story in the world of tales that we're used to seeing, you know, I think like hero's journey, like we think about star Wars and Lord of the Rings and things like that, where like a man goes to a faraway place and conquer something or fight somebody. But I think like these stories of, of women and um, the journey they're on as they protect and raise their children is, is of equal heft and import. Were you one of these people and I say people, not women, because I was definitely one of these people who always thought about having kids, like wanted to have kids. Like, was it like a, a drive of yours or, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm just curious kind of the way that you thought about motherhood in theory, as opposed to, you know, the reality yeah. of it. No, totally. So you always wanted kids. Oh, always. You knew you wanted to be a dad. Always. In fact, I, uh, I, uh, Rain, Rain knows this about me. I've been engaged four times because I would, I would like meet a girl and be like, you look like you have childbearing hips. Let's get married. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, it never, it never worked out until it finally did with like. Until the one that stuck. Yeah. The one that stuck. Exactly. (laughs) That's so interesting. I never think about, I feel like I, wait, and Rain, did you feel that way or no? Did you always know you wanted to be a dad? I I never hear men talk about this. Oh yeah, I, I always wanted to be a dad. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the roles uh, I wanted to play. And it was it was tricky for me and my wife because all of a sudden we found ourselves in our mid-late 30s and we're like, uh-oh, biological <laughs> clock. And then we had trouble conceiving and it took us like a year and a half, two years, something like that. And my wife, I think similar to you, my wife was 40 when she had our son. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and it was a very difficult and traumatic birth. So we we snuck one in under yeah. the wire. A buzzer beater, a buzzer That's beater. Right. Yeah, I had a buzzer beater. I well, That's so interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I never, I I never felt compelled towards motherhood. I had a couple of friends who like always people. I've, I'm very lucky to have some friends from when I was pretty young, like elementary school, junior high school friends, and. A couple of them I know really always, always knew they wanted to be mothers. And I, I definitely did not. I just, I, I felt like I was, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. I, I didn't have strong feelings kind of against it. I just, I was just driven by other things. It, I didn't really get there un- until kind of the moment was really like after I got married and I was also quite you know, geriatric in these terms, they do use that term like geriatric pregnancy. I'm sure you're familiar yes. with it. I yes. think as if you're like 36 or above. That's right. You're high like risk. a geriatric pregnancy, high risk or something. I was kind of trying to find out how late I could push <laughs> push the buzzer beater because my, my spouse was interested in having a child. And then in the process of like doing a routine fertility check where I was like, well, let's just find out I can wait till forever. <laughs> it was revealed I had like less than zero eggs left or whatever. And then it became like this huge panic. And negative I negative number of eggs, the negative eggs. That's my first album. <laughs> um, nobody buys it. When I found out I had negative eggs, I, I, I flipped out and I was like, 
for whatever reason, I guess it maybe sounds kind of small and a little like Tracy Flickish or something like, oh, I'm going to do the thing I've just been told I can't do. But I really, when faced at that age, I guess, with never having a kid, I suddenly wanted to have a kid very badly. Rain, you seem like a brunch kind of guy, right? You're a I brunch, love the brunch person. I love, I love it. I love it. Most important meal of the day. Most important meal of the day is brunch. And my assumption is that, you know, before you go out to any brunch place, you pour over lists and lists of reviews, right? You want to make sure, sure you're going to a, a quality place. Yep. Yeah, you got it. Well, then why don't you do the same when you're booking a doctor's hey, appointment? Hey, for God's sake. he's off. <laughs> Sorry, I was a little I was a little too impassioned. But that's how I feel about ZocDoc, my friend. See, with ZocDoc, you can see real verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. After all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more important, than finding the right plate of eggs benedict, maybe. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten those teeth or fix an achy back, get the mole checked out, anything else, ZocDoc has got you covered. Its mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, book doctors with just a few taps. You can find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. And now when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. So all you got to do is go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I am truly and honestly one of them. That's where I found my doctor. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash milkshake and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many of them are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash milkshake. ZocDoc.com slash milkshake. Thank you so much. And now, folks, a little word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. You know, wellness, mental wellness, self-care is so important for all of us. It's especially important for me. I wake up every morning. I have my kind of devotional period, which is meditation and some prayer. Um, I do a little journaling sometimes. Of course, I have my weekly therapy. These are the things that keep me grounded, that keep me kind of aligned with my life's mission and purpose with a little bit of serenity thrown in. So think about it like a car, okay? Now, if you had the same car for your entire life, how would you take care of it? Well, that's how our brains work. That's how our psyches and our souls work. Why don't we treat them the same way? Because how we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. You know, it's funny, like, even to this day, there's still a weird stigma about getting therapy, which just doesn't make any sense at all. Like you, like you rightly said, you know, mm. we are all dealing with a world on fire. And listen, it, it helps to have someone to talk to about all that stuff. And what's great is that BetterHelp is an online therapy service. It offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You don't need to go sit in a dusty office, you know, in a waiting room with a bunch of other patients. This is very private. It's all about you and the things that you need to get off your chest. And by the way, 
It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. So our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash milkshake. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash milkshake. Give it a try. See, I wonder if it's because of like the way that I was raised. I mean, I, you know, I love my parents. My father has passed. My mother is still around and will never, ever, ever die. No, she will not. You know, I think like when I grew up, like I, I, I didn't come from like the, the most, you know, functional family. And so like I always as a kid. Oh, can't relate. Not <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no so threads here. I think there's like two avenues and all, it, rain definitely also came from a completely dysfunctional family. I always, I feel like when you come from that, there are these two paths that go before you. One is like, I'm never going to have kids. And the other is, I'm going to have a million kids and I'm going to prove that I can do this better. And I definitely was in that latter category. And like, like before, when we were kind of doing research for this pod, I was uh, reading uh, perhaps the preeminent expert on all things women and motherhood, Nietzsche. Of course. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's my go-to. My go-to for any information on on women, motherhood. He has this whole thing where he talks about how one's view of women is determined by one's relationship to one's mother. So he says, quote, everyone carries within himself an image of womanliness derived from his mother. It is this that determines whether on the whole he will revere women or despise them or remain generally indifferent to them. <laughs> and this guy is cool, 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 cool. Thanks. Thank you, Nietzsche. Thank you. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but the, it, He's so chill. Nietzsche's writings are so, really chill. so chill. By the way, Nietzsche him. also said, quote, usually a mother loves herself and her son more than she loves the son himself. All right. Thank you, I guess. It's uh, projecting. <laughs> he's proje- wow. Exactly. He's projecting. Wow, wow, we were. But, you know, it got us, Ray and I were talking about this earlier. We got us to thinking about, like, how our mothers, especially, have either inadvertently or not shaped us as people. Not just the way that we that we look at other women or whatever, but just, like, the way that we exist as human beings. And, I mean, I certainly have a lot of stories. I know Rain's got some stories. His are more depressing, I think, than mine are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, is that something that rings true to you? Like, when you think about your mother, do you really... Do you see the the relationship that you guys had as fundamentally defining kind of how you see yourself as a mother? Is there a story or something that kind of is indicative of that? As a mother or as a hu- as a full human? I guess like as a, both, both. I mean, does does Nietzsche have a similar theory about people's relationship to their dads, no. to their fathers? No, just just women. Just women. Well, that's a whole ton of press. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that is because you know, the assumption is like dads just like peace out normally. And like maybe like out of 100 dads, like 20 are even in the pictures. I think definitely in Nietzsche's time, the dad meant something quite different. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, because I think of myself as being very, I don't know, I'm curious to hear for you guys, but very much formed by my mother and my father. And my relationship to them both kind of in equal parts, you know, like I, I don't, so I don't, I don't think I agree with our old friend 
Friedrich, if that is his Wait, real are name. Are you saying Nietzsche may have been wrong about something? By the way, uh, uh, our producer Safa just told us that Nietzsche's dad died when he was five, which makes so much sense. I mean, I guess if that's the parent you're left with, that makes yeah. tons of sense. I just think about like, I mean, my dad has had a lot of influence in my life, but my mother, you know, it's it's hard to shake, I think, your mom's influence. Like, I think the things that I For probably sure. dislike most about myself, I can, I can trace to my mother. I can, I can represent my mother and her relationship to me with a single story. When I bought my very, very first house, I was 30 years old. I bought a house. Oh, I, I, I was so proud. I was maybe more like 35 now that I think Young. about it. But I was so proud of myself. I bought a house in Los Angeles, which is no small thing. No. Um, and, you know, it was like this, you know, it was not a giant house, but it was my house. And it was like, I was so proud of myself. And when my mom first came to, to see the house after I had moved in, she kind of, you know, walked through every room and walked through the first floor and went down to the second floor. And then, then she had to use the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom and she came out of the bathroom. And I said, Mom, like, what do you um think about my house? And she said, you bought a house with a broken toilet paper dispenser? <laughs> there was a, the toilet paper dispenser <laughs> was broken. That's literally uh, all she said. About you uh, bought a house with a broken toilet paper dispenser? How could you be so stupid? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Wow. What were you thinking? This is me. Yeah. Like I am always like I always see the worst in everything. I am always oh, like I, I I can guilt trip anyone into just an early grave. I that's my that's my <laughs> spiritual gift that I inherited from my mother. The thread, the thread. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean it's so funny because I feel like um I kind of have a little bit of, and I love, you know, love my parents so much, <laughs> but there's definitely, uh, I think they both have a lot of that vibe of like, uh, like I was a very, ugh, God, sorry about so many brags, but I was a very good student growing up because I was a real, I was a classic middle child. I was, you know, middle of three, wanted to please, wanted everyone to get along, didn't, didn't want to make waves. So I just was like, I'm going to just get good grades and do what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> like when I would get like a 95 on a test, like my dad was the person who would be like, who got the other five points? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I guess that that vibe can come from either side, but I've lost the plot. I've lost the plot. Now we're just kind of lightly <laughs> complaining about her. Well, we're talking, what we're talking about, Jesse, is how have our mothers shaped us? And this reminds me of a joke. It's one of my favorite uh, Jewish jokes. My grandmother was Jewish. It also applies to Persians, by the way, Reza, so you might get something out of this too, which is Jewish or Persian mother, her son is elected president of the United States. This is the very short version, okay? They, the son is like, you've got to come out for the inauguration. She's like, oh, no, no, I couldn't possibly. And he's like, no, we're going to fly you on Air Force One. You know, it'll, it'll be a, either a kosher buffet or a kebab buffet, however you want to do it. And it's like, okay, okay. So she shows up at inauguration. The son is being sworn in. She's seated on the dais in the front of the TV cameras next to the Secretary of State. And um, he's swearing in on the Bible or Quran or the, or, or the Torah or what, whatever it is and substitute the whatever uh, book you'd like. And then she turns to the Secretary of State and she says, my other son, he's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Classic, a classic. Very true. 
Very true. But that yeah. that relates to the toilet paper, paper dispenser. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's interesting because for me, uh, my mother left when I was about a year and a half. And I saw her, she subsequently got married three or four more times. I saw her maybe three or four times before I was like 16 years old. So I was not traditionally mothered, so to speak. I was with an emotionally absent father and I had a stepmother and we had some issues, long story. Anyway, I got to know my mother as a teenager. And although, you know, her taking off definitely left some emotional scars, um, I think for me, uh, she was able to step into my life really right when I needed her most. It was kind of like, I was really lost. I was in a tremendous amount of pain, a lot of mental health issues. I was very uh, in a very dark place, really low self-esteem. And she came in and made a concerted effort to kind of to mother me, to parent me. And I remember the first time I was able to really weep was in front of her. I was able to kind of express emotion, like all of this kind of like mothering that I was not able to get as a child all of a sudden came into focus and really enriched my life. And, I, you know, I have issues with my birth mother. I have some very serious issues, but I have a tremendous amount of gratitude as well because she came into my life right at that time. And so I guess my question is, you know, motherhood is often seen as something that you are, like you just are a mother, you have unconditional love for your child. Fatherhood is seeing something that you do. You do fatherhood. You provide, you care, you teach someone how to build a birdhouse yeah. out of popsicle yeah. sticks or whatever. That that a mother's life is defined by a profound sacrifice that fathers are not expected to face. But, you know, this, I was uh, profoundly mothered, but not in any kind of traditional way. But I'm just wondering if you had thoughts on Again, the effect that mothers have on us, the effect your mother had on you, the difference that kind of, there is a profound difference, it seems, between motherhood and fatherhood. And yet, is it really such a difference? Yeah, that's such a good question. Not the way I um, do it. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, that's a, gr- I mean, it's a really interesting question. I think like a lot of couples are, you know, talking about some version of this question all the time if they have kids um, in terms of what the expectations are. Gosh, I'm, I mean, I definitely think there is a difference in the nature of the bond. I mean, you know, I'm like always very scared to talk about anything just outside of my own experience. So I can really kind of only speak to that. Um, I do feel like there is a quality of kind of like the maternal connection I have with my son. I don't know. I'm really pausing on these words because I'm like, I don't want to, I'm just, I'm, it's it's really tough. It's a really tough question. It's, It's really hard for me to say that I think that like mothers have like an inherently different connection to their children than fathers do because I I think like that's obviously sort of person to person. I think um, like in some ways I would say that I do and in other ways I would say that I don't. I think I have like a sort of gentleness with him and a kind of, I think like I'm very, I think I have like a very deep sense of empathy in terms of like seeing 
need in, in him, like when I'm needed. And I think some of that might also be like my own personal experience. And I like with my parents who definitely did their best and are very loving, but I think like in some ways, like they could be a little bit withholding, but so I'm like very attuned to kind of trying to meet this just sense of nurturing again, part of like what led me to want to like write the book is that there are times where I just feel very unconnected to like the kind of 20, 24 seven drudgery that is mothering. And like, I don't like to sit on the floor and play for hours on end. I do get bored. I do fantasize about like leaving. And sometimes I also am very lucky to have the privilege of having like a nanny. And so I kind of like tap out a ton, mm -hmm. <laughs> but again, I don't, I think like the expectations are a little bit out of whack in terms of like, I get, especially at the beginning when my son was born, I think I had a lot of guilt that I had to move through and understand and got a lot out of talking to other moms that I could be very open with and realize like a lot of people feel that way. And I think we're just not really allowed to feel that way. And I think feel very unsafe expressing those feelings. So I, I think I felt both. Like I feel this sort of closeness, the desire to nurture and at the same time can really feel like, get me the fuck out of mm -hmm. here. <laughs> you know? It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Huh? We're, you know, we've had these conversations, uh, in the past about nature versus nurture. It's like, it's such a fun theoretical question to have until you have kids. But you do have this one line in the book where you talk about how uh, you write, quote, I suspect this can probably be traced directly to my pessimistic little genes. Although it's impossible to say how much of this, of, of your son's inborn skepticism, that's what you're talking about, um, exists due to cosmic chance and how much is inherited Jewish trauma. And so I, I'm sure you've been thinking about this a little bit, because, I mean, this nature versus nurture question is is one that, like, all parents start to grapple with, whether they are even aware of it or not. I know where I fall on that question, because I have identical twins. And, oh, and okay, this is a very good These two are sample. genetically identical, but it's like the same exact input and two totally opposite outputs. But I'm curious, like where, like where do you fall on that, on that whole debate, the nature versus nurture debate? I definitely, as someone who grew up very aware of feeling kind of like, oh, I'm, I don't really feel like the way girls are supposed to feel, I guess, or like I'm outside of the sort of uh, norm of what like girls are supposed to look like or do. And, really was into quote unquote boy stuff and didn't want to wear a dress, blah, blah. I'm very, I was very aware of this going into having a boy, very aware of like, how can I not put these kinds of expectations on him? How can I 
really just let him grow into who he is. It's so fascinating too. I'm sure you're both. It's so, you know, I think also as the girl for me, I was very aware of like all of the bullshit around girls clothes. Like I never wanted to wear pink. I didn't want to do rainbows. And so I wasn't really thinking about boys clothes and then buying clothes, even for my, you know, from the minute they're born, like buying clothes for a newborn, a one-year-old, a toddler, the boys clothes are truly just such hot trash. (laughs) (laughs) Everything is like a robot killing a dinosaur. Like, you know, it's so aggro and the colors are so ugly and you're just like, can we just get like a yellow, a plain yellow t-shirt please? And it's really hard. But, um, can I just jump in, in the middle of, I want you to finish and I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I do have to point out for those of you watching that I am wearing my pink golden girls t-shirt. Yes, you are. I am so glad you're pointing this out. Cause I, I didn't see the golden girls, but I clocked the pink tank top and I was very appreciative of it. So, so I'm I'm pushing against gender norms yeah, you're, a you're, little bit. Oh. No robots blowing up dinosaurs. But please continue, Jesse. My son has turned out to be such a boy boy in ways where I don't understand even from a very young age, it has a little bit changed my sense of nature and nurture. I really into cars, really into trucks. His dad is not super into cars and trucks. I don't think we bought one, brought one into the home. He's like a little jockey jock jock. This is stuff from when he was like two, you know, and it's just so not (laughs) the boy I thought that I would have, but I'm doing my best. I feel like everybody who has a boy has a real opportunity to like make a better boy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How are you making a better boy? I'm just trying at this age to really do my best to like, I mean, you know, as the kids say, normalize (laughs) talking about feelings, feeling feelings, like saying we're allowed to paint our fingernails. If we feel like painting our nails, like just, and just even in casual conversation, just being very aware all the time of like when Wimbledon is on, like we're watching women's tennis we are reading books about like Simone Biles, like trying to really expose him to as I guess fully human a spectrum of like what women are as as what men are have traditionally been presented as doing. Maybe you need to watch Golden Girls with him. Oh, oh my god. I actually truly just watched Golden Girls the other day. I was um on a little girls trip with like my best friend and we we're staying in our hotel room and had a day and then we came back and I was flipping around and Golden Girls was on and I was like, well, we found it the rest of the night. <laughs> I just shot my uh, a show on happiness and we were in Bulgaria and uh, number one most popular sitcom in Bulgaria. Golden no way. Girls. Yep. It's, yep. It is undeniable. It's undeniable. Well, those those nice old ladies. Just, uh, I mean, you know, those nice ladies who are two years older than us. <laughs> you mentioned this earlier, but something I was intrigued about your, your very first essay in the book is, uh, about motherhood being kind of the ultimate epitome of Joseph Campbell's, the hero's journey. Can you tell us about that? Can you, you, you mentioned it briefly, but I'd love as much as juicy specifics as you can get into why, why is motherhood like the hero's journey? 
I had started thinking about the hero's journey as I write in the chapter. I heard Elizabeth Gilbert talking about it on a podcast at a moment where I was in the middle of some very banal or so I thought momming stuff, but having very big, big, big feelings about it and feeling every day like I was in, I don't think I'm overstating like a real life or death struggle with myself and also having a young, young, you know, an infant where it's both the most boring and the highest stakes sort of thing because kids just can die so easily. It's like if they, you're not watching them constantly, like in goes the penny or the marble or whatever, and you know, everything tits up. But so it just, I heard her talking about like a hero's journey doesn't always traditionally look like what we think it should. And I started thinking about motherhood and basically like the, sentence I guess that sums it up best for me is like after reading a lot of Joseph Campbell and reading a lot about the hero's journey a hero's journey is basically a journey in which someone in order to protect someone else has to go through a series of obstacles that are incredibly challenging at great personal sacrifice to themselves and at the end of the journey the hero is different than when they began. And to me, that is exactly what motherhood is. Every day, you are kind of by default saving someone's life just by kind of existing near them. I mean, especially at at that age. Again, like just the act of sitting and watching your kids sort of doing nothing is keeping them alive. At the same time, it can be so soul-crushing and so hard. And I think I said in the book somewhere that you do, my experience at least, and I've talked to people who I think feel this way as well, is that you do, as a mother, have to kind of annihilate yourself in order to take on this role. And I certainly feel like I don't know anyone who has a child who doesn't feel changed by it in some profound way, although those changes are you know, different person to person. So at least in terms of like this, this Joseph Campbell kind of, you know, what is it? The uh, hero of a thousand Mm -hmm. faces, like the way we've understood this tale to me, we've just always understood it in this very specific way. And I, and I think like it's very meaningful to women and all parents to just think about what you are doing as having the gravitas and importance of a story that could be shared with people and would mean something to other people. And that has me has meaning is worth repeating is worth telling. I had never thought of it before. And I think it's a truly profound sentiment. And I think because at the heart of the hero's journey of, of every one of those stories is, is, is sacrifice. And I think about my wife holiday, raising our son, Walter, and the amount of sacrifice that she has put in. I remember when he was an infant and we were at our old house, our first house, and it had a little pool in the back and and she was holding him and like the phone rang or something and she started to move and she started to trip and fall and she's next to this pool and she had to hold on to him desperately like a football and just fell right on her knees and then right on her elbow and just like, blood coming out, but, and he didn't even like 
cry. He didn't even make a peep. But that was just like when that 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 vision is etched into my head as the kind of sacrifice that she's making. She almost lost her life in giving birth to him. But then there's the little sacrifices too. It's kind of going and you know, the preschool graduation that takes three hours of your day, (laughs) you know, all of that stuff, the driving to school and all of that, you know, it's, it also has to do with facing your demons. You think about, you think about the Star Wars saga, the Empire Strikes Back when Luke has that dream and goes into the cave on Yoda's planet and sees Darth Vader, his biggest, you know, demon that he has to face. And so there are, and you, you mentioned it briefly earlier about how women came up to you and said, hey, I really appreciate you. I, I, you know, I relate to this book. There's a dark side to motherhood. You said on Fresh Air once, it feels like one of the biggest cultural taboos is to say that you've had a second thought about being a mother or honestly, even just to talk about the hard stuff. But yeah, of course, there are those moments when you're like, I can't believe I've gotten myself into this. And you mentioned you're not so into sitting on the floor and playing with blocks for hours at a time. You know, other mothers can pretend to, to be that way on Instagram, but that's that's not you. So what is what were your demons in terms of being a mother? What was in your hero's journey, what were the demons you've had to face that you wrote about that other women recognize and respond to? I think it was just really going through the litany of specifics that feel like that there was that thing that I, I wrote about, like you're, sh- you're shielding your child from a sword that you yourself are holding. You know, like we have this whole Abraham Isaac story in the Bible that's like foundational <laughs> to, um, to Western culture. And obviously there's it's a lot to unpack, <laughs> but it's interesting to me that, you know, it's not a mother's story. I think there's just, for me, it was like the moments where, I just wanted to leap. I just wanted to like literally walk out the door and leave. And I, or even worse, you know, like I, it's, <laughs> I had a moment when I was working on this book where I was at dinner with an actress who I will not name, but she is a well known actress. Gwyneth Paltrow. It's with, it's not Gwyneth Paltrow. But just to say, I was intimidated by this person. I didn't know this person that well. And uh, we were, I was talking about the book and I was talking about how, you know, I wanted to be talking about like moments or like when they're like around one and a half or something. And it's, I think a lot about those nights where you're just in this fifth hour of trying to put them to bed and you're hungry and you're tired and it's late and you keep putting them down and they will not go down and they keep crying. And it is crazy. And I would reach a point where, and I would never do this. I would never do this. I would think about like throwing my kid against a wall. (laughs) You just fantasize about it. You're just like, get it away from me. I would never, but I Mm -hmm. had the thought in my head. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to kind of share this with this actress. But I was like, I don't know her that well. I can't (laughs) say that I fantasize about throwing my kid against a wall that is so inappropriate to this moment. And I want her to like me. So I was like, Oh, you know, when you just think about putting them down on the floor and never coming back and she just didn't miss a beat. She goes, we're throwing them against a wall. (laughs) And it was, Ah. it was so relieving and funny and dark and horrible, but also telling that just 
we all have these thoughts. And I think there's something that almost makes the thoughts worse for a lot of people where you're just like, oh, I'm the only one having this thought. I'm such a bad person. But in fact, if we were allowed to just sort of talk about it, you'd be like, oh, no, it's really normal to have these thoughts because what you're being asked to do is insane. Yeah. This is so, so hard. It's so hard. And again, it's sacrifice time, sleep, energy, career. Time, sleep, energy, career, and just truly like it's like pushing a, a boulder up a mountain yeah. or something. It's so it's so difficult. So I think in terms of my demons, it was for me those demons are just those moments of true kind of rage-filled <laughs> impatience of like I can't get this to be the way I want it to be. Um, and I'm reaching my edges. Like I have a limit. Yeah. I'm reaching my full limit. And I, and to understand, like, I, that's the heroic part is I think every mother and I, and I think a lot of fathers go past, you have a limit and you just somehow go past it. It's like a marathoner or something. Yeah. They, now that I have a, an older teenager, a, a lot of the conversations with our, you know, parent friend group is kind of like, it's the, is the equivalent, which is. I just can't wait for this kid to fucking leave the house and go off to college. I can't wait to be an empty nester. I love our kid. Oh my God, please leave. And you're, you're not allowed to say that really, you know, you're that's, not allowed to say it. And I, it's, it's a terrible thing to even think, but it's a little bit true. It's not as bad as throwing a kid against the wall. One of my dad's greatest gifts to me, I will say was, I remember when I was very young, he did say to me, I don't, this is, my dad's a very deep and profound guy. I don't remember the context of this anymore, but I just remember him saying to me, don't worry. Everyone thinks everything. (laughs) It was like, don't worry about the thoughts. Like, like everyone thinks everything. It stuck with me all these years. Everyone thinks everything. I mean, don't, don't do it, (laughs) but we all think it. And, and it was Truly, it's carried me through a lot. Well, honestly, I think that's why we gravitated towards the book so much because it is very honest. <laughs> it, it it does kind of lay, you know, all of motherhood, the parenthood in general, out there, and all of its glory and its gory, and uh, it's a, a great collection and really, really funny and heartwarming and beautiful. Jesse Klein, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation to be in. I, and I loved hearing from the dads. The book again is called I'll Show Myself Out, Essays on Midlife and Motherhood. And I hope you learned something about motherhood from us in this conversation. Yes. I mean, you, Jesse, not the audience. Oh, oh me. Oh, I thought, <laughs> what, if I, what if I just was that, that boss where I was like, I'm not, not going to respond to that. That's probably the best way to. Actually. And I even dignify that with a response. <laughs> no, I did. Again, you've got four kids. You're doing the most. Wow, great conversation. Incredible. I I've learned so much. What about you, Reza? I learned a lot. I, I in fact, I feel like as qualified as you and I were at the beginning of this podcast mm-hmm. to wax mm-hmm. eloquently about motherhood, I gotta say I, I feel even more qualified now. Absolutely. I mean, we were speaking to one of the foremost comedic authorities on motherhood, Jesse Klein. Now we get to to name drop Jesse Klein at dinner parties with other mothers where we get to talk to them about, you know, 
how painful it is, the amount of sacrifice that they make about motherhood as the hero's journey. Yeah, I Maybe mean, bring up and the dark side. Nietzsche quotes about motherhood, the dark side of motherhood. I really, I could go on and on and on and on and okay, on. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, I get it. I think we get it. Uh, and folks, you know, we, we've enjoyed this book, and so we have five of them, five of them for our five whole listeners. Books. Five whole books. It's hilarious. And you don't have to be a mother to like it necessarily. You could, you know, you could be a mother blank. Uh, but uh, all you have to do to get your copy of I'll Show Myself Out by Jesse Klein is to write a review of Metaphysical Milkshake on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Take a little screenshot of that and mail it over to us at metaphysical at castmedia.com. That's cast with a K, metaphysical at castmedia.com. Send in those screen grabs. And uh, listen, tell us about your mom. You heard us talk about our moms. Tell us about your mom. You can find us on social media at Reza Aslan at Rain Wilson on Instagram at Metaphysical Milkshake. Uh, and remember to follow, rate, and review us again on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Metaphysical Milkshake YouTube channel and watch our full episodes every week. You know, you know what, Reza? Before we completely end this thing, you know, we have been uh, male chauvinist buttholes for the last hour. I think you and I, right now, we need to log off. We need to go find these powerful, brilliant women mothers, and we need to really just, you know, sit them down and tell them what motherhood is all about. I feel like I feel that's all shit. I'm gonna go do that so, right now. All right. See you next Thanks week. everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Metaphysical Milkshake is executive produced by Rain Wilson, Reza Aslan, and Colin Thompson. It is produced by Safa Samazadeh Yazd, Paris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubel. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. Original music by Jeff Tang. I'm trying to. Uh, was I just father's planing your? You just mailed. Your, you just your response. Father's planed my my thoughts right back well to done. me, and well I done, right? and I thank you for it. <laughs>